<laughs> Welcome to Faith FM. You're listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network. You are joined by myself, Lawson, and sitting right beside me, Mackenzie. Mackenzie, Hello. how are you? I'm good. Awesome. Awesome. I am just super stoked that we can uh, continue on with our, our radio adventures, of course, um, reminding the listeners that... It is actually today, uh, which the executive committee is coming together to make a decision about the future of the show. Oh, really? So this is like, this is a big day for us here. Um, we, uh, it's going to be at 2.30 today. So we, you know, we won't have coverage of that. Um, you won't uh, know that those decisions. I, I don't know if they're going to make a decision today, but you won't know that until tomorrow. So stay tuned. Keep listening to us. But of course, this is the start of, uh, our show today. And, um, yeah, let's just, let's just jump right into it. Mackenzie, what are you grateful for this morning? I am grateful that I live so close to the shops, like to yeah. to, to Woolies. Because <laughs> like I was making dinner last night and I was like, I was cooking up some fried rice and I was like, I just need an egg in this, but I didn't have any eggs in the fridge, so I just walked. Can't like, relate. Hashtag <laughs> 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 vegan life. <laughs> so I just walked like a minute down the road. And then I was in Woolies, and it was amazing. <laughs> that, is, that is awesome. I mean, you know, I'm incredibly grateful for my mum. Yeah. I just love me mum. She's so <laughs> great. I got to hang out with my mum yesterday. And I wasn't necessarily, I wasn't, I wasn't in, wasn't in the best of places mentally. Like, I was just like having a bit of a, bit of a rough day. And my mum's just like, just loves me. She's just so <laughs> nice. And she's like, oh, you want some food? I'm like, yes, mum. <laughs> it's just the best. So like, mum's a four. <laughs> I know. It's amazing. I'm living on, uh, I'm living like by myself at the moment mm-hmm. and just, you know, like have those, those big boy pants, independent, <laughs> like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an adult. And then there are just those times like mum mom didn't have work yesterday and I was just like mum <laughs> I love you <laughs> hang out with me <laughs> and she did this is a reminder you are listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM if you would like to listen to the live show and interact with Mon and myself for the breakfast show then simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play or use the tune in radio app of course we want to remind the listeners as well as the uh, the meeting is happening today as the executive committee are coming over to decide the future for our show please pre- please pray for us um, we need your prayers and we're just so grateful to those who listen but right now this is Anders Svensson with goodness and mercy So 
Faith FM. We are continuing on with our show and, of course, starting off the day with a quiz. So, what is the first clue for our breakfast Bible quiz? The first clue. So, it's a what book am I quiz this time. Uh-huh. So, the first clue is, I am the only book in the NIV Bible containing the word Messiah. I don't read the NIV Bible because <laughs> I'm like I'm like because I know one t- one place where Messiah. So it's not okay. Well, I know that Messiah is in that book in my Bible. So so it's not man. That okay. All right. All right. Hmm. Uh, like I I can't have another guess. But I'm just thinking. I'm like. Man, that's that's just really thrown me because I don't read the NIV, so I'm just like, oh, oh well, I guess I don't know which one it is. <laughs> which means, of course, that double prizes are up for grabs. So if you know which book, if you know which book um, has the word Messiah in it in the NIV Bible, uh, well then give us a call one eight hundred three two four eight four three. And what what books are we giving away? So we have two books. And oh. we're giving away Image is Everything by Dustin Hall. Oh, awesome book. And mm-hmm. Cooking Up a Good Health Recipe Collection by <laughs> Donna Green Goodman. Cooking Up. <laughs> so it's double prizes. Yep. It, so if you get it before me, then you'll oh. get both of those oh. books. Yeah. So yeah. you guys better be on your toes because I think by maybe the next clue, Lawson might have it. So you, you need to be tuned in and listening. <laughs> You need to be ready to go. Have those have those phones ready. Of course, not if you're driving. Um, if you're driving, pull over. We don't want to advocate for um, <laughs> illegal illegal activity. But but uh, Mackenzie, what's happening uh, around our world in, in good news? Yeah. So I have some good news that I think you're really going to enjoy, Lawson. Okay. So last night, not only did I cook myself dinner, but 
I cooked some more brownies. <laughs> <laughs> and they're waiting for me in the fridge to eat right after the show? There are some there for you oh, if you want yes. them. Yes. <laughs> wow. Like, like oh, you're not even joking. Like, this is the best news I've had all day. <laughs> so these are some special brownies. They're not, they're not. When I say special brownies, I mean they're vegan black bean brownies. Mm, that sounds amazing. That actually taste good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was talking to um, Nick, my boyfriend, last night about these brownies because he's like super vegan. Yeah. Um, and I was saying that how, how it's funny that like the biggest compliment to vegan food is Oh, it doesn't taste vegan. <laughs> yeah, d- legitimately, like, I know, doesn't right? taste vegan. Or the big one is like you, you eat, especially when it comes to desserts, because a lot of vegan desserts will also they'll go hard and be like vegan, sugar free, gluten free. And it's <laughs> yeah. like you can just taste. It's like you can taste <laughs> the vegan. Yeah, yeah, you can taste the healthiness. It's like yeah. this tastes healthy. Like this tastes good for me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's but you, apparently, like I've eaten these brownies before, and I can just attest that they definitely taste um, good yeah. as opposed to healthy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm keen. Yeah, let's do this. So and to think Mon was always like, oh, I'm such a chef. Um, you know, always bring stuff in, make food for you, Lawson. She made me pay her to for her to make me sandwiches. So <laughs> like, like, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, it was only a dollar and she'd make me a sandwich. But you're just <laughs> handing out brownies for free. McKen- like, Monica, you- you're being upstaged right now by McKenzie. Woohoo! I'm taking that position. <laughs> so, in other news, um, there's a single dad in Buffalo, New York, and he adopted five siblings under the age of five so that they can stay together. So they can stay together and grow oh, up as a family. Oh, what a legend. I know. Because you always hear stories about kids that have been adopted out or whatever, and they mm. have a sibling over somewhere across the country that they've never met mm. because they'll split up during adoption. But this dad was like, no, I'm putting an end to this. And he adopted five kids so that they can all stay together and grow up together. That's amazing. So that's in, in Buffalo, New York. Yeah. Awesome. So where are these kids from? Like, where is there any information about their background? Or? It doesn't say where they're from. Um, but this guy, his name's Lamont Thomas, and he's fostered more than 30 children. And on oh, Thursday, he became a father of 12 when he adopted Zendaya, Jamel, and Nikia, Major, and Michaela. Mm. So, yeah. What a legend. I know. Yeah, I know my, because my, my grandfather on my, my dad's side, my late grandfather, he was, um, an absolute legend, fought in World War II and whatnot, but he was, yeah, he was adopted out of his, his, family like split up because his mum died when he was super young and he was in an orphanage and like his sisters were all over the place and I know that for my grandfather anyway that like that that was a hugely traumatic heavy thing to be yeah to be not only split up from his family but then to be in an orphanage as well at a super young age and and you know to go through that um experience but it's it's awesome that that there's someone who's really Thinking about that, he's yeah. like, like this guy. His name's Lamont, right? Yeah, Lamont. What a he, name! What a what a gun! Yeah. Um, but yeah, Lamont's like putting the foot forward to to support people, and I think, yeah, that's that's. I, I really see the spirit of God in that. Like, I yeah, see definitely. a Christian spirit of. Well, the, the Bible says, you know, we, we talked a, a little bit about yesterday. Um, this idea of 
you know, where, where Jesus says, like, if you cause these little ones to stumble, um, like, better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and to be chucked into the sea. Um, like, the inverse of that is that you're highly rewarded for being someone yeah. who is, like, who loves children. It's like the kingdom of heaven is children. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, who loves children, who supports children. And this guy, Lamont, is doing a, a fantastic job. So, that that's awesome. Yeah, and so this is something that... Um He's been fighting for two and a half years to be able to get them together, and he they just won, so he gets to that have is the kids. Amazing! Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. So, in other news, there's a bus stop in. I'm going to butcher this name, but in Utrecht, designed to benefit bees. So, a Dutch city of Utrecht, <laughs> <laughs> somewhere in Holland. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. So more than 316 bus stops have been transformed into mini urban havens for bees. Oh, yes. Oh, I know. just saved the bees. That's it. Because I was like, oh, I know that we need bees, but like how, how much do we actually need bees? So bees um, are what we call pollinators uh-huh. and almost 90% of plants, plant species rely on pollinators to reproduce. Mm-hmm. And 75% of leading food crops depend on pollinators. Mm-hmm. So, like, we really need the bees. We need the bees. <laughs> Look, I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. If you don't have bees, you don't have pollination. And if you don't have pollination, then you don't have flowers. And if you don't have flowers, then you don't have crops. And if you don't have crops, then you don't have wheat. And if you don't have wheat, then you don't have bread. And if you don't have bread, well, then you don't have garlic bread. Oh! <gasps> So save, no. save, the, save the bees, save the garlic bread. All right. True. We need to put our best foot forward. We need to make a concerted effort to save the bees. And it looks like Holland's doing a fantastic <laughs> yeah. job by setting up these sanctuary bus stops for bees Yeah, because we need this to happen. We okay. do. <laughs> and I think like, if that's the way you promote it, like if you want garlic bread in the future, <laughs> save, save the, the bees. bees. <laughs> <laughs> Conservationists for garlic bread. <laughs> But it's like a picture of a bee. It's like, yes, we need to save the garlic bread. That's awesome. Yeah, because um, pollinators provide poll- wait, pollinators provide pollination services to over 180,000 different plant species. Mm-hmm. Which I assume is a, a great majority of them. So <laughs> yeah. I'm like, save the bees. <laughs> and pollinators help plants survive and plants provide water and cover for wildlife, keep waterways clean, prevent soil erosion... Produce the oxygen we breathe. Guys, if you want to be able to breathe, (laughs) save the bees. bees. (laughs) And um, they absorb CO2 and counteract global climate change, which is also climate change. If you want to help prevent climate change, save the bees. You know, we're on this, like, thing at the moment that, like... um the meat industry is a huge problem for the climate because of the amount of breeding that the they're doing. The agricultural industry. Yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous. It's like, like, instead of, you know, just, this is, this is, it's like the opposite. It's like, so we've been like, okay, we need to slow down meat production because of agriculture and the breeding of cows and everything just ruins the environment. We need to do the opposite and promote the, the, we need to breed bees. Okay. <laughs> we need to breed these bees so that we, <laughs> we can save the environment. And so, pollinate these plants. And save the garlic bread. Like, that's, that's, <laughs> that is our mission. That is our Christian duty. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that might have been a bit of a, a misstep. But look, we just need to save garlic bread. I mean, bees. And uh, <laughs> right now, this is Fernando Ortega with the children of the living God. 
the wonders he has made bird in flight falling rain sing of the wonders he has made sing to the living god how he loves us with great love he who sits enthroned above for our lives he spilled his blood set his spirit like a flood Gentle healing hands, how they found the lowliest man. Sing of His gentle healing hands, sing to the living God. Sing of the mercy that He gives, though we sin, He forgives. Sing of the mercy that He gives, sing to the living God. With great love, He who sits enthroned above, for our lives He spilled His blood, set His spirit like a flood. Children of the living God, sing to the living God. I'm going to talk about one of your favourite things this morning. Oh, really? Yes. I'm all excited about what you think my favourite thing is. Sleep. Lyle. Oh. <laughs> 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 all right. Go on. All right. So, um, actually, there's a few different things here. It, there's some um, very new research coming out, um, and, and I know, know we talk about this fairly regularly, mm-hmm. um, but once again, it is coming out again, and the research is getting so powerful uh, in relationship to sleep and screens and depression and the relationship between them that um, now guess what part of American society has the lowest screen use amongst their children? Wait, say that again. The- guess what part of American mm-hmm. society has the lowest screen use, allows the, the least amount of screen use amongst their children? Is it like the Amish or something? No, it's the engineers in Silicon Valley. <gasps> Are you serious? Because yeah, they're the ones who know just how dangerous it is. Oh, that gives me the hippie genius. Yeah, and, and there's a story here about, uh, you know, just, just taking one example of, uh, of one of these engineers, and they only allow their kids to use screens on road trips or in the aeroplane. 
That's it. That's freaky, man. That's like yeah. that's like when you have a friend who's a pharmacist and refuses to take any kind of painkillers. It makes me kind of wonder. It's <laughs> a true story, by the way. But yeah, that's uh, that's alarming. Yeah, it is a little bit. It, uh, it's like whoa, when you know, because these are the guys that are the uh, are the closest, um, and they are also the wariest. The closest so, to the technology. So they don't let their kids use it ever, except for in road trips and airplanes. What about like a school? I'm sure like, don't schools utilize screens all the time now? Yeah, but then I'll let you use them at home. Okay, okay. It's, it's home That's use. Fair enough. And uh, um, here in Australia, um, researcher Dr. Sarah uh, Blunden made this statement. She said, sleep is the foundation of all mental and physical health. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And sometimes I think that, you know, out of the eight laws of health, sleep is the one that gets looked over, overlooked a lot, yeah. Um, and we focus in on things like diet and exercise, mm-hmm. and sleep is at the foundation of all of it. And you sleep know, is a get, fantastic healer, yeah. For yeah. both, and, and people trying to, and trying, to, trying to lose weight or trying to, uh, um, you know, get healthier and fitter and all these kind of things, which is which is good through diet and exercise, but you can undermine it all by not getting enough sleep. Mm-hmm. Do you know? I want to tell you something, maybe a bit horrible, Lyle. <laughs> Because I actually had a very similar conversation just yesterday. So um, my friends and I, we're, we're single. And so when we talk about boys, which is a lot, uh, and we <laughs> talk about what we do and don't want in a guy, uh, one of the things that actually is on the list um, is his sleeping patterns. Uh, so yesterday uh, there was a guy um, <laughs> who is, you know, pretty cute and he's pretty funny. Um, but he, he acknowledged that he has, uh, you know, he... he He's often up at midnight and eating and just has really terrible sleeping patterns. He's a total night owl, likes to sleep in all morning. And I, and I was like, for me, that's a massive red flag. Yeah, because then you're just setting yourself up to get married to someone who's going to suffer from depression. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and that's gonna, a pretty heavy thing to yeah, and de- de- be dealing with. And they often, marriage. there's lots of studies that prove that when if you're married to someone with depression or, or you're living with someone with depression, um, you often end up going down the same route. Like it's, it's, it's you not have a shorter like exactly life, contagious, but it, it sort life. of affects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so for me, like I don't, I don't, I want to have a happy, healthy life, and I, like you know, avoiding mental health issues is is you know, is a pretty good, pretty good path to take, and so it's actually really important to us, to, yeah. yeah, to people. So. This, is, this is such a big, this is becoming such a big issue that in Australia they are currently conducting a parliamentary uh, inquiry into the amount of sleep that Australians have, mm-hmm. um, and trying to calculate the cost to the nation. Wow. And really what this comes down to is, you know, what is it actually costing? What is all this screen time actually costing our nation just in sleep deprivation? Um, four out of ten Australians do not get enough sleep. Um, and, of course, that uh, significantly shortens life expectancy. 16% of Australians are shift workers. Now, that's one of those areas where, you know, it's not so much affected to screens and, and, and these kind of things, but it's a, you know, it's, it's a part of you know, necessity because we have to have shift workers. But uh, it definitely impacts the health of the country as um, a, a whole. But the biggest thing that they have noticed that the, the inquiry has discovered so far, the biggest thing that is affecting sleep patterns is FOMO. Oh really? Yeah. FOMO and, is the and, worst. and FOMO is costing our nation massive amounts of money. For those of you who don't know what FOMO is, it's an acronym. It stands for fear of missing out. And here on Faith FM, we have been promoting JOMO. The joy of missing out. Switch off the electronic (laughs) devices. Come to Grey Nomads and switch them all off, except for when you are listening to The Breakfast Show in the morning. That's right. On the TuneIn app. When you're out rolling around the country, driving your caravans. Okay, so research from Norway, they did research, uh, they had 10,000 participants there. They found that uh, screen time of more than four hours per day, Mm -hmm. um, so that includes work, 
uh, resulted in three times, three and a half times the likelihood of sleep of less than five hours per night. Really? And of course, you know, as adults, we need to get, you know, seven to nine hours somewhere in that range mm-hmm. of sleep. We're creating ourselves into ticking bombs, aren't we? Yeah. And it's no wonder that our kids these days have so much trouble with anxiety. Uh, 49% um, 49 of people who um, had more than four hours of screen time per day uh, needed more than 60 minutes to fall asleep. Oh, that's a long time to lie there. Yeah, that's a long time laying in bed just, uh, you know, with your mind turning over. I asked my wife how long it takes me to go to sleep, and I think she exaggerated. (laughs) said She said two seconds. (laughs) No, I think she's exaggerating. I think it takes me longer than that. But, um, you know, if you've got good sleep patterns and if you've got regularity, you can fall asleep, fall asleep, you know. But I guess it's also a trap. Like if it takes you an hour to fall asleep, like who wouldn't after a while get bored and reach for their phone again? Exactly. And And this is one of the things that the research is bringing out. Mm -hmm. It's the vicious cycle. So you get teens who have FOMO. So they take their their device to bed so that they can. um, And the worst thing that you can do is either play a game or message people at night. Yeah. Uh, the best thing you can do is read off a screen, but that still is not healthy at all. Mm-hmm. Reading off a screen, you've got the blue light, you've got the bright light, and your body gaze goes into daytime mode mm-hmm. because of the light that's going in through your eyes. Um, so if you if you have to read from a tablet at night and you can't read from a book, um, there's nothing like a traditional book with paper and ink. Yeah. <laughs> um, those things still do exist. But if you have to read from a screen... Switch the colours so that the background goes to black and the lettering goes to white. Okay. Yeah, and it'll make a big difference. Do you know, when I first got a phone, like, I I don't know, I don't know what my mind was thinking, but I thought to myself, I have to keep it on all the time and I have to keep it next to my head when I sleep because what happens if there's an emergency or someone is, like, you know, (laughs) depressed and wants to kill themselves and and I'm the person they call, I have to be there to take the call. And so I'd never switch my phone off. I always had it on, always had it on loud, always had it next to the bed. And in, like, what, the 20 years that I've had a phone... That's never happened. <laughs> it's only in recent. <laughs> some of us, some of us here, and I think I think in our live audience there are a few of us here who can remember the days before mobile phones. Yeah. When there was actually this thing that was down the hallway, uh-huh. sitting on the wall in the kitchen, in the kitchen somewhere <laughs> that used to used to have a uh, a metal bell inside of it that used to actually vibrate. I and remember ring. those, Lyle. You do? I remember even little dial-up ones where if you stuffed it up, you have to hang up a side again. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, speaking of Your sleep... Your parents own a museum or something. You, like. know the, you know the famous story about Ariana Huffington, right? No. So, you, know, you know Huffington Post? Is oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yeah. Yes. So she, she ended up having a breakdown, um, a sleep deprivation-related breakdown because she was just working so hard. And so she started researching into the benefits of sleep and she was so so profoundly moved by what she what she discovered that at her at her business, the Huffington Post, a newspaper, mm-hmm. um, they created special sleep pod rooms. And so her staff, they're expected to get good sleep because she's seen the r- results of, you know, productivity levels going up, uh, positivity in the, in the office going up, you know, a better work culture as a result of sleep. So she encourages yeah, major, them to Big take businesses naps. don't do this unless they get a financial return. That's it. That's exactly it. So, yeah. yeah. They're getting a return on investment right there. Um, you can guarantee that. Um, in the United States, the uh, United States Academy of Pediatrics has been recommending no screen, including TV screens, in the bedroom. And they've been recommending that since 2004. This is Some of this is quite old research. Yeah, that is. And, of course, lack of sleep is, in, involved, is uh, related to anxiety, depression, uh, weight gain, uh, reduced immunity, high blood pressure, and heart disease, amongst other uh, issues. We could go on. This I've got pages of, of material. I'm going to have to put up a two cents on this so I can I think present all of the research that I have.
sadness from wherever you've been. Come broken hearted, let the rescue begin. Come find your mercy, oh sinner, come near. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. So lay down your burdens, lay down your shame. All who are broken, lift up your face. Oh, wanderer, come home. You're not too
The Breakfast Show, bits you may have missed. Okay, so one of the supporters of our program here on Faith FM and something that we advertise on a semi-regular basis is the Australian Table Talk, Oz Table Talk. And the one and only Luke Ferrugia is joining us from Oz Table Talk. We've had him on the show before, but uh, Luke, welcome to the show. Ah, thank you. Good morning, guys. So it's great to have you on the show again. Now, Oz Table Talk, just give us a, uh, a quick reminder of what you guys are all about. Okay, so basically we encourage millennials to discuss their faith, have meaningful conversations, and the hope is by doing that, then we get to all grow in our faith and our experience. Fantastic. So you've got a group of, what is there, four, five of you guys get together yep. to sit around and uh, discuss the Bible subjects, yeah, faith-based subjects together. Absolutely. Yep. There's, there's five of us, and we, so we release a podcast episode every week on Tuesday afternoons at three at three thirty p.m. And yeah, we discuss yeah our, our faith, Bible-based topics, uh, how church and culture relate to each other, and all of those kind of things. Okay. So Mon and I just went to we we just celebrated um, we celebrated Thanksgiving yesterday, but oh, apparently, yeah. which is an American uh, festival, of course. Although we found out yesterday it's a Canadian one as well. Um, and so we're thinking, well, if the Canadians can have it, we should have it here as well. We do import a lot of uh, American sort of stuff here to Australia, and one of them is Halloween. I understand you guys have done a podcast on Halloween. Is that right? Yeah, we did. We did. We've just been noticing over the last several years, as you said, it's somewhat of an import here in Australia, but it seems to be gathering traction. People seem, More and more people seem to be celebrating as it moves forward, so we thought it was a good topic to discuss. Okay, so Halloween's a bit of a controversial one. You know, I've stated here on uh, Faith FM that we should have Thanksgiving. If we, if we want to import a festival from America, we should po- import the positive one rather than the negative one. But, Absolutely. Um, we uh, um, what what actually we, we we say you know that Halloween's controversial. We say that it's um, you know it's got um, you know negative connotations. Where what is, what actually is the origin of it? What did you guys discuss? So we looked at, a little bit at the origin of it, as you mentioned. But uh, basically, uh, it was the Day of the Dead, where the the pagans believed that the uh, the line essentially between the living and the dead was uh, at its most blurry at that point, and they and they would have all this this festival. And it was over time, it was it was Christianized or attempted to be Christianized by the medieval church, and they were trying to uh, sell it as All Saints Day, which was the following day and uh, but obviously as we can see by what halloween is today they weren't overly successful in in making that transition yes i still seem to see lots of uh, ghosts and so forth walking up and down the street on halloween day um, yeah, rather, rather than saints but um but you see the thing I was going to say the, the thing is that uh, has happened, which we can see, is the fact that it's really become a commercial holiday. Even the people that celebrate it generally aren't doing it to keep the spirits away. They're doing it because they're you know, dressing up and having chocolate and lollies and, and all the rest of it. It's really become a very secular, commercialized kind of thing over time. I feel our retail businesses here in Australia probably have a little bit to blame because, you know, you go into mm-hmm. Woolies now and you'll see, like, the, the huge pumpkins they've imported from America. There's always money to be made, and they I think they've figured out that they can make money out of every different um, holiday theme. I mean, consumerism in America is incredible. Um, when I was there for that year, I noticed that they would just the shops would just live in, for holidays. Like, you know, you'd have your New Year's stuff and then you'd have your, your Valentine's stuff and then you'd have your St. Patrick's Day stuff. And there was never a time you could just walk to the shop and it wasn't like some sort of a theme or holiday or something you needed to buy that was seasonal. And I feel like uh, I feel like there might be a push in the background from businesses in Australia finding more, you know, reasons to sell junk. So, yeah. 
So Halloween probably coming here more from the standpoint of commercial enterprise yeah, rather absolutely. than... This year was the first year I had trick-or-treaters come to my door, actually, interestingly enough. Oh, yeah. Never had them before. All right, so what approach, on, on your podcast, what approach did you recommend that we take towards this pagan festival? Mm. So when we were looking at it, uh, it was very clear from all of our perspectives that there's not much about Halloween that a Christian could get behind. And so the question then becomes, how do we relate to Halloween? Because obviously, just like you were saying, Mon, you know, so someone came to your door. You know, that's starting to happen more and more in our culture. And so we need to ask ourselves, how do we handle that as mm, Christians? Absolutely. And it was, uh, I just related a, a short experience for, for me. The first time that happened, I think for me, was la- last year. And my immediate response was, well, I don't want to have to answer the door because if I do that, then I have to kind of interact with them and, you know, I don't feel comfortable with this. That was my first response. But then I started to think about it. I thought, how would Jesus respond in, in this time? Like, would he would he hide and make it look like he wasn't home or would he speak to the people or what? And I was convicted at that point anyway that it's probably the best and the most representative of, of Christianity to greet the children, and even though I'm not necessarily participating in it, if I'm a friendly neighbor the my concept was that would give me more opportunities to build bridges to their families and to interact with them more and so that was what i chose to do i didn't have any um you know sweets or candy prepared or anything like that and so i just i said hey look it was a hot day and so i said i've got some ice blocks in the freezer are you interested and they said yeah sure but I was doing that because I know the people that live around and I don't want to be perceived by them as the, the, as the grouchy person that is shunning their children. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so okay. that was sort of the concept to build wall, sorry, build bridges instead of walls. So was that, was that uh, just, 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 just let me go back to that. Was that this year's Halloween or last year's Halloween? Last year's Halloween. So this year's Halloween, what did you do? This year's Halloween, um, we actually didn't get any, any door knockers, so I didn't have any, anything for context there. Uh, yeah, yeah. This this year we talked about Halloween on air, um, Lyle, and you actually told this really great story about you know a guy who had decided he was going to prepare really nice gifts for the kids um, instead of alienating them, and he prepared really nice godly gifts, and they had like a little um, you know a little uh, I think it was like some sort of track that was in there. He gave him a whole show yep. bag. Yeah, a whole show bag filled with yep. like quality stuff, not junk, so they would remember his house is the best, and it had like mm-hmm. a little booklet or something in there as well, you know, just telling kids about Jesus. And I went home really mm. inspired. And I talked to my housemates about it. And we were like, oh, that's such a good idea. Unfortunately, by that yeah. time, it was literally the night of Halloween. And we were all so broke, we couldn't afford to go out. And like, you yeah. know, maybe with a year's notice. And because, you know, we're all young and broke, it was like, oh, maybe maybe next time we'll actually prepare something better, something quality for the kids. And I really liked that idea. I liked how you said, you know, you need to engage and, you know, actually answer the door yeah. and be that friendly yeah. neighborhood person. Yeah, he recognized that, um, you know, he does door knocking during the year. And this was the only time of the year that his neighbors came and door knocked in. That's it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And w- one thing that did come out in our discussion that uh, as a possibility, you know, if we want to go on the front foot and make the most use of it, um, everyone that's door knocking on Halloween is taking something from the doors that they knock on. If you were to have something positive that you could give people, you could go door knocking as well, but with the opportunity to give and just make it an impact on other families oh, as yeah. well, something else that you could make use of the day for. You know what? I would like to see Christians and particularly Seventh-day Adventist Christians as well, to, to just 
own Halloween before Halloween gets so big that Let's it can't be. It. Yeah, hijack it yeah. before, take it, take before it, it gets so big in Australia that we can't hijack it. Let's just let's Absol- just absolutely flood that thing. Christians out there on the doors, like you just said, giving stuff instead of taking stuff, giving great stuff to kids when they come around. Put a little sign out the front of their door saying, "Come knock on my door," and just yeah. just be at the forefront of that of that of that battle. Okay, I want to move on um, and talk about your interview with Justin. Uh, how do I pronounce his last name? Co? Koo. Koo. Justin Koo. Yes. Who is Justin Koo and why were you interviewing him? Okay, so Justin has a YouTube channel and he has over 70,000 subscribers. He's reached over 2 million people with his content and uh, he is, uh, he's a Christian guy, he's an Adventist guy and he is producing content that is based around faith. So simple like faith 101 things, how to pray, how to study the Bible, um, how to um, find a godly, uh, you know, godly wife or husband and those sort of questions that have just been things that he's experienced or, or gone through in his life. And uh, in in doing that, he's built, like I said, one of the most successful, as far as I know, platforms that are with that are from someone within our church. And uh, so I connected with him in order to discuss primarily how you can disagree with someone but still connect with them. So how to disagree without disconnecting because he seems really good at that. He has a lot of dialogue with people from totally different backgrounds and who have, hold vastly different viewpoints to him. But somehow he's able to do that in a way that's respectful and uh, and really encouraging. Okay, so, and, and, and this is something that is a challenge for all of us, and particularly those of us who work in media. Um, mm. What are some of the secrets that he was able to share with you? So, uh, as we went through, he gave the example of uh, a church that he attended, and there was a, a gentleman there who was the first person to greet them, who was the first person to sort of really engage with them and become their friend at the church. And he's heavily engaged in, in soul winning, like, you know, he keeps tracked in his car, looking for opportunities to share his faith with others and all the rest of it. And after being friends with him for some months, um, he found out that, that this gentleman was gay. And he was trying to figure out, wait a second, how can you believe what I believe? And yet that's the lifestyle that you choose. And he's saying that I have met people that are, uh, that, you know, make those kind of choices in their life. And that's, that's fine that they can make that choice, but he's never met somebody in his own circle of friends that had that experience. And so he said, I had to figure out how to show God's love and how to connect and be this person's friend and have meaningful discussions with him about it, but also not burn, burn him off. And so the discussion sort of went on about how he then tried to build empathy for people that were different than him. And so the, the key, key ideas was that you need to separate the person from the thing that you disagree with that it's not them, it is what it may be what they believe or what they do, but you can still love that person as an individual. Yeah, no, I think that's and important. That's it's what every Christian needs to be doing, isn't it? Absolutely. And that's what Jesus did, you know. You can you can love the sinner while hating the sin. If there's something that you disagree with, you can you can separate that from the person. You can love the person, have a relationship with the person. Um, and the other one was to build empathy for them at, at a personal level. Um, you know, in, in his case, he did that by spending time with this friend and, and just learning who he was as a person and how he saw life. And that, that grew into conversations and his friend actually came on, uh, Justin's YouTube channel. You can check that out on his channel. And, um, they have like a long discussion about this. So even though Justin, uh, you know, affirms the, you know, position of the church, his friend also is within the church, but has a different viewpoint. And so they sort of really have a great conversation about that. Okay. So, um, with, uh, with, with Justin's YouTube channel, what's that, uh, what's the channel called? 
Uh, the, the channel is called That Christian Vlogger with a V, That Christian Vlogger. There you go, That Christian Vlogger. They, you want to go and check it out and uh, find out for yourself what you think in relationship to some of these questions. Now, moving on from there, you've got um, this uh, third subject here that you've recently covered about what is the church. So mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about this and, you know, I've been in lots of churches and some of them are pretty amazing and some of them are pretty small and some of them are just spectacular and I've been in large cathedrals and I've been in, you know, little mm-hmm. little church in the prairie kind of churches. Um, what did you guys uh, come up with? With um, What is the church? So the, the church, a lot of people, just like you just said, a lot of people consider it to be the building or the program that happens on, on, a, on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning. But the, the fact of the matter is, as far as the Bible is concerned, the church is the building, the church is the people. And so as we sort of uh, explored that, the, the reality is not, a, and not only is it the people, but it's people who are experiencing discipleship together, people who are growing in their faith and their experience and loving and supporting one another. So that's, that's really what the church is there for. But the, the problem is that sort of came out in our discussion is that the, the church is prone to drifting away from that. As in the, the people that are in the church, it, it's, it's work, right? It's a massive blessing to be a part of a church community that's thriving, but it's also a lot of work because you've got to invest yourself in others. You can't be a consumer in a, in a true church environment. You have to be someone who participates. And a lot of times we drift away from that and we tend to think of it as being the building or being a program. And by doing that, we allow the, the others, the leaders, the pastors, the, you know, the elders, we allow them to do the work because they're the one that's making the church operate. But if we view the church as the body of believers that are all being disciples together, then that puts the responsibility on all of us as individuals to make the church operate. Absolutely, and of course, you see this um, this come in so often when people, you know, they just sort of, yeah, I go to church and I, I I've I've done my bit for the week and go to church, you know, to mm. be fed rather than to feed. They 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 go there to uh, you know to soak everything in, but not to actually mm. you know um, engage and be a part of that community and be a blessing to others. And you see them mm. them, them die so so uh, dramatically spiritually. Now um, you also talked about cultural Christians. What was that about? So one of the reasons that, because uh, we were talking about why is that, why do we as as people just seem to gravitate towards this, um, you know, viewpoint of the church being the building or the program? And that was one of the reasons, because when you're born into the church or or you've been in the church for a long time, you become a Christian by means of, of, of culture, because you talk the same language as the rest of the people, you value the same things, you do the same things, but it doesn't, but you're not necessarily engaged with it in an active way, you're engaged with it in a passive way because it's just, it's the ecosystem that you live in. And when that's the case, it's a lot harder to see the forest for the trees, so to speak, because you're not actually engaging with the mission of the church, you're just existing within that that uh, environment, I guess. And so we need to stop thinking about the church as, as that place we go, but more as, as how we live our life. Absolutely. Luke, thank you so much for joining us here on Faith FM. And uh, if you want to know more about uh, Luke's podcast, then uh, Oz Table Talk is the name of that podcast. We'll put up the details for you on our social medias. But right now, we do need to move on. Yeah. 
Everybody's getting what they can No meaning to life, it's just living
Brad, you like bargains, right? Oh, they don't call me Bargain Hunter Brad for nothing. Do they really call you that? Well, no. But I certainly love bargains. Good. Well, you'll love the Wodonga Adra Op Shop. They've got heaps of great clothes and the money goes to supporting the local community. Nice. So where can I find this Adra Op Shop? It's at 1117 Melrose Drive, Wodonga. And it's open on Mondays, Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 to 3. I'm already on my way. See ya. Is forgiveness, or the lack of forgiveness, eating away at you? A relationship breakdown, maybe. Long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. You know, it can be dealt with. If you want to break the cycle and start living a more forgiving life, Forgive to Live is a program designed to help us all improve our lives and be more forgiving. Don't let it eat away at you anymore. If you're keen to discover the power of forgiveness, why don't you take that first step and head to forgivetolive.org.au. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Well, I, I got so much I'm down to tell you, but you can't bear to hear me now. Yeah. 